With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The following program is brought to you by Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E. Hi, I'm Annette Wagner. Hi, I'm John Carousella, and this is The Shamanic Life. Hi, and welcome to A Shamanic Life. I'm John Carousella. Today is December 17th, 2013, and we have a very special episode, a very special program for you today. Uh, this will be our final program before Shamanic Life goes on hiatus for a while, for retooling. Now, not to worry, A Shamanic Life will be back uh, probably sometime in April, um, but uh, in the intervening couple of months, I want to take the time to sort of recraft and retool the behind-the-scenes part of Shamanic Life so that we can bring you more consistent content uh, and, and richer and more varied content. So, actually, in, in the spirit of that, I have a special guest with me, friend of the show, Annette Wagner. Welcome, Annette. Hello, John. Uh, and Annette is a creative expressionist, uh, an artist, a shamanic practitioner, multi-talented lady with a diverse background and part of your background Annette is in high tech that is correct spent 21 years there 21 years there and um, as you and I both know high tech is a is a pretty high paced pretty intense kind of place oh yes (laughs) right so um, what I what I'm hoping to uh, draw out of Annette and have her share with us today is uh, Annette Annette has a, an aspect of her character that she calls the driver self. And she's in the process of recrafting the relationship with that driver. And I'm, I'm hoping to hear some about that. Um, and you also have, Annette, something that you um, have, I think you were kvetching about. Uh, and then someone described it to you as beautiful structure. Yes, that's correct. Right. So uh, all in the spirit of understanding how to retool a very shamanic kind of experience into something that has more formal structure and uh, maybe a little bit more disciplined execution. I'm hoping that you will share with us your story. Thank you, John. I, I will. It has, been a, uh, it has been a journey this year. And I think the best way to start is with a little bit of context. Okay. So... When I was in high tech, I was what most people would have described as a type A personality. Mm I um, was the person that everyone could depend on to say, you know, if it needed to get done, you could give it to me and I made sure it got done. I was at the top of my career when I decided I had enough and I needed to go do something else. I felt like my creativity was dying. I had to have something like uh, 21 patents or something like that under my belt. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you felt that your 
your creativity was dying. Yes, there was. It basically felt like I was trapped in a job that was no longer satisfying. And my job had always, my career, the, the projects that I had worked on had always been things that had um, had a large creative component to them. And one of the things I enjoyed most more in the latter part of my career was working with multifunctional teams and doing product concepts and other fun things where you, you know, you look at a year or two and come up with all kinds of wild and crazy things that people might be doing. Um, we used to do this with cell phones and the amusing part is they're all doing that on their cell phone now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was no. pretty fun to predict some of that. Um, but I was at a place where it was becoming more and more of a struggle. And I did, at the time, I was walking my shamanic path, which, as I have done most of my life, and I can remember days where um, Wolf would be going with me to work, and I, Wolf would like sit on the roof of my car, and they'd be like, "Okay, just get me there, mm-hmm. just get me to work, get me there, so I can do whatever it is I have to do." Um, but the funny part was, when it things like that had happened in the past, you know, I would update my resume and go hunt around, right? Right. Something The universe would hand me something and my path would cross to something else and I'd end up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That wasn't happening. And every single time I sat down to try, try and update my resume, I just felt like it was, like there was no energy there. Right. Like it right. was a Your day. heart wasn't in it. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and yeah. what I really kept coming back to was this, you know, lifelong desire to be an artist, this heart's desire of wanting to be an artist. And not just the heart's desire of wanting to be an artist, but also the sense of that I needed to get out of where I was at, or I was, it just felt like I was going to, something was closing down, something needed to change. I needed to like take a left turn. In Uh fact, the way it manifested in my head was that it was time to take a left turn. Uh And I didn't really know what that meant, but I was most definitely a, a person who had what was called I called at the time a drive my driver self, and I realized over this last year that I had developed that driver self as a form of um, both a form of protection and the way I interact. It was like how I got things done. It was like this thing that I drew upon that made sure that stuff got done and made sure that I stayed there till midnight and the night before, you know, some demo had to be done or whatever it was that was going on. It drove me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the relationship I had with it was not always positive. And, and I guess in some sense, your relationship with it wasn't always conscious. No, it wasn't. And, and in fact, it grew out of, um, you know, probably childhood wounds and other things in the form of being something that protected my artist self. So my heart's desire was not present in my life in some ways. It had no outward presence. Mm. And so this driver self literally almost grew up like castle walls around everything um, and just kind of took over. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't me. I mean, it was me, but it wasn't me. <laughs> or it wasn't me in the form that it was manifesting it. Uh-huh. Okay. Perhaps that's the way to, th- to think about it. And... Now, fast forward to um, the last year, and I've been out of high tech for five years. Five years. Um, and this year, at last January, I stated my intention of wanting to live a life of bold adventure this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great one. Very true that you should be careful what you yeah. ask for. <laughs> yeah. And I was a... Uh, 
you know, I was kind of looking at over my blog posts over the last year, which I have up on my website. And I, the very first thing I posted after I spoke about what my uh, intention was, was a quote that somebody had passed on. And it was, if not now, when? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I proceeded to have over the course of la- this last year a completely different kind of year than I expected to have. I had come into the year with all these things in my head that I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my, my driver self had a list of workshops I was going to do and people I was going to work with and how I was going to have um marketing plan and I was, you know, all right. the stuff. And it was all right. focused around doing mm-hmm. and also being driven to do it. And what instead what started to happen over the course of the year was that things started to come to a screeching halt. All in, the, in what way? Like what, what do you mean by that? Well, so exa- for example, I had um, two or three collaborations with other people that I where we were working on doing workshops that we really wanted. I mean, we were there. We were ready to make these workshops happen and get them out in the world. And they just didn't happen. It was like the energy just fell apart on us or kept mm-hmm. falling apart on us or didn't mm-hmm. come together. And it was like things that would almost come together and then they just miss miss and go off into the the cosmos again. Mm-hmm. Um, I also made a decision to go have some healing work done on my body, very deep healing work to deal with scar tissue um, inside my abdomen that had um, already manifested in a medical condition that had almost well, it could have been extremely serious, and I could have died from it. Mm. And that opened, my body was ready for that, emotionally and physically. And that released a lot of stuff. And it not just released things in the sense of the scar tissue started to um, be, if you will, break break up, if you will, but that there was all of a sudden energy flowing through parts of my body that hadn't been flowing through before. Right, right. And that was in April. So before I left on my healing journey, I had a financial situation that needed to unravel was unraveling with a former partner. Mm-hmm. And it was not unraveling in an entirely positive manner. Mm-hmm. And um, though I was doing my best to keep it in a positive place. And what was fascinating to me was it had come to this point of the other person being very angry at me. I'd gone off to the healing work. I came back and I was in such a different place. I was in my body, very embodied in my, and my, all this energy was flowing in places in my body that, that hadn't been flowing in many years. And I was able to come back and just stay in my body and be very grounded and work through what needed to work through with this person. And it ended very, very positively. Mm-hmm. I ended feeling like, um, I had done the best job I could do and that I was also taken care of in the situation. And my driver self hadn't engaged. Oh, very interesting. So you went through that, uh, that process, which normally would have been um, something where you lean on or call on your driver. My driver self, this is a person my driver self would have, has very, gets very easily triggered and wants to come up and say, okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> And it stayed uh, in the dugout, so to speak. It it was like I was, um, yeah. I mean, it, it it just there was not even any conscious thought of. It was like I was so in my body. There just wasn't even any conscious thought of it of it coming out or talking to me or anything, mm-hmm. you know. And at the same time, I had this image um, in the weeks after that 
I had, well, I had a ton of animals come through my life. Oh, right. I remember that period of the year. Yes. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote this blog post I called the shamanic decoder ring <laughs> because I had a week where I had like, I remember, it was Snake uh, and raven and oh, I had yes, I had like seven animals come through yeah. my life in forty-eight hours, and they were all very clearly like stopping and making eye contact and saying, <laughs> "Message, we got a message for you." <laughs> and it was the same week that like there was all this transformation energy going through the astrological end of the world. As uh, my astro friends who do that were telling me, and I got this image of a white snake mm. that came, and that was when the conscious thought that I had to change my relationship with the driver, my driver self, that I had to change something there. And initially, my re- response was that I needed to simply get rid of it, to banish it from my uh, life. Uh-huh. Right? Right, right. And this image of a, this white snake came up, and every time it came up, it was always on my left side, and it was in a, almost like a burrow in the ground, mm-hmm. and it would uncoil itself and spiral up and it would siphon off whatever energy was coming to me that was what I identified as driver self. Oh. And it was like, it would just feed off all that energy, siphon it off, eat it all up, and then just go back down into the ground. Wow. And I was like, so I knew it was there to help me. Right. And the interesting thing to me, a snake is a power animal that walks with me and has for several years. But in the past, it's always been something where snake is like under my skin and in my body. Mm -hmm. This was the first time I'd had snake show up where it was clearly, you know, in my spirit self, if you will, but still, but outside of my body. Yeah. Like, okay. Hmm. All right. Okay. So this was a siphoning off the, the driver self energy that was not constructive for you. What I sometimes refer to as my frenetic your frenetic Kind self. of like the frenetic, crazy, have to do something, have to do something. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that also happened in the same time period was a realization that there was a difference between making a decision and coming to a decision. Oh. It was, uh, it was fascinating to me. It is, and it's just kind of been a thread that's actually gone on throughout the whole year. And... It's hard to describe in some ways, but that, but there's this way in our culture that we always talk about, you know, that you have to like list your pros and cons or, uh, you know, that, that you have to make a decision. Mm, you know, you have, that you have to construct it out of rational components. Thank you. Yes, exactly. That mm. you have to somehow build the decision. You know, and then it, it will all become obvious to you and you'll know what to do. Well, what came to me was, this sense of that that wasn't going to work anymore and that I needed to um, listen to my body and I needed to let what needed to happen just sort of almost emerge out of like my mind, my body, my heart, just let it come up and fill me. And I would still know what I was going to do, but there was just a completely different sense of coming into resonance with it or that there was this sense of, being filled up, I, it, it, it's almost hard for me to describe, but, but that, that I needed to come into resonance and I needed to also be patient and open and not force things. Mm, yeah. And to, because there's this intuitive side of making decisions, this process we have of coming to a decision that needs to have a role and there needs a place. Yeah. And I needed to make a place for it. And I could still look at the rational stuff and I could still do the pros and cons. But what it felt like was that if I didn't allow the coming to and the filling up to happen, 
then I was only making half the decisions. Yeah, that's a head decision, right? It's a, it, and you might still have heart elements that are trying to inform you, but not really. You're not really giving them space to do that. And what happened for me was that I think I had been over the last few years. I know I have been making decisions more intuitively, but it was this that everything in, came into conscious awareness. That it was it, this very conscious awareness that I needed to allow myself space and time to come to a decision. That I needed to constantly check with myself and see if something was resonating, or as you sometimes say, as if, if it was feeding me. Mm. And that I needed to, to really check in with myself. Now, this all happened after that healing, the work right. that I had done. And I think that opened up this doorway to really be more in resonance with my own body and to hear more of what my body was trying to tell me or is telling me. Mm. Okay. So you were allowing yourself to be filled with stuff that was that was not exclusively rational or or did it end up being rational anyway was it uh, here's what i'm here's what i'm asking was there a uh a recognition that through this process of what i'll what i'll offer as deeper listening you just ultimately found that you gathered more data that that wasn't necessarily mental data, but it was real nonetheless. It's funny. It, it didn't feel that way. What it felt like actually was that, um, it, it, <laughs> if you will, it was like I was taking, like, it was as if somebody, I would look at something and I would look at all the rational data and then I would say, well, how does that make me feel? Uh-huh. Okay. Instead of looking at the rational data and saying, well, logically I should do this. Mm-hmm. I was shifting everything and saying, how does that make me feel? And it wasn't that like, like that, that I would look at the rational data and they'd say, here's the pros and cons. So logic says I should go, I do yes, you know, do um, A instead of B, that I would somehow get to this place where I had sort of made a decision and then I would check in. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. I just looked at the pros and the cons or the whatever it was or the, the arguments this way and that way. And I wouldn't make a decision logically i just lay it all out along and i just think well how do i feel so it's interesting. how does it, it make it, me feel it's almost like there's an aristotelian you know there's aristotle uh, uh, hanging out over your right shoulder saying logic dictates the following conclusion but you said okay well you're just going to sit on the bench aristotle right? <laughs> and i'm going to look at this data set which i've gathered um with a lens that's more innately me yeah and so you didn't you didn't discard the data nope but you didn't allow some other logical structure to compel you in a particular direction you actually sat with it and said okay given all this data now what but you but but the now what part is um somewhat enigmatic here what did you did you what did you do you just like check in with your with your body I would go into my body. Mm-hmm. I basically go into my body, body and I would ask. And literally, it was like a question of saying, how does it make me feel? And it wasn't even like, it, it, it was, wasn't that I was going to, you know, like act on a feeling. It was more of just, I needed to know how it made me feel and I needed to be very aware 
of how I felt, how I was reacting to something, you know, like if I looked at the data, how did it make me feel? Did it make me feel like I was reacting to something or not reacting to something? Did it, um, did I feel resistance? Did I go, did I close up? Did I open up? I mean, and also it was a way of asking myself that question, but not identifying myself with the feeling. So in other words, I'm separate from the feelings. Mm. That's okay. So, Only slightly less enigmatic now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I'm not logical either. Well, it's, uh, but then that's, that part's okay. It's, it's almost, I'm, I'm probing for a, um, you know, how do we do this? How do other people, how can we, what can we learn from this process? Um, so it's, feelings but but also so just just the same as you didn't allow the logic to dictate a conclusion you didn't I, let the logic be identified with who you are mm-hmm. you didn't allow the feelings to be the thing that dictated and you didn't allow them to be identified with who you are you just allowed you bore witness to both well it's funny you use the word allowing what was happening and it was really more this this sense that there is me inside here and there's my feelings and there's the logic. And it wasn't a sense of allowing or not allowing. I can step into my feelings and feel them. Mm-hmm. But just this, this awareness that I, I am not my feelings. Like that there is more to me than identifying myself. Like people will say, I'm angry or I'm pissed off at you or I'm this. And they'll, it's like they own their feeling and it defines them. Yeah. But that's not really true. Right. So you could say, I, I'm feeling anger right now. It doesn't mean that I'm angry. Right. Ah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and potentially extremely useful when, uh, when attempting to have a full perspective on one's circumstance, in particular in the presence of an opportunity to make a choice. Yeah. Now, the other thing that, say, asking this question myself and saying, how does this make me feel? was it completely circumvented the um, usual response I would have had to just jump on it and go do something. Okay. Explain because I had to pause. Oh, okay. So I had to stop and I had to say, okay, well, how does this make me feel? I had to let it come to me. I had to let it fill me up. I had to be patient. I had to make space for that to happen. You had to make space for the... For the process of, of filling up with the decision. For feeling. Mm. I hadn't always done that before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so what did you learn from all this? So, from the, all this working with decision making? Yeah. The the, well, the decision making, in particular, this decision making process that you, that you uh, came upon. There were a couple things that I learned from it. Um, how important it was to just stop mm-hmm. and listen. Yeah. And that it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time that I devote to it. Even And, and this was something where my, as I used to call it, my, my driver self would get all freaked out in the past. I mean, oh, you, you, you have to keep going. You have to keep doing. You have to, you know. And so this idea that I would just stop and sit quietly and pause and say, no, I'm, that has to wait until it's ready. It's like letting something ferment. You know, it wasn't 
the decision wasn't ready yet. <laughs> mm. And so I learned to slow down again. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the most key things when you're a type A personality and you're somebody who's very, very used to doing and driving and being in, in environments like high tech, it takes a lot longer to slow down than it might take another person to slow down because we have further to slow down from. Yeah, yeah. And and so, this, and how do you feel about the the process that you're now engaging with? That, that is it slowing down? What does it do for you? It brings more joy and wonder and beauty in my life. I feel like I'm more present. Yeah, and so the decisions you make are more are also more present. And I also have less attachment to them. So so I feel like the decisions are more in resonance with what supports me. And at the same time, I don't stress about them. So that's uh, so that's a really interesting double win. You know, you'd think that if you spent more time and became more intimate with the decision, that you'd be more attached to it. But that doesn't sound... It, it, but but even as you say it, and as I as I think about my own process, I would have to agree with you. I feel like I'm making my decisions from a more integrated place, and I'm stressing less over whether they're right or wrong. Uh, because you know what? You know why? Because right or wrong ceases to have meaning. It, yes, it's, exactly. It's not right or wrong, correct or or failure, uh, success or failure. It's opportunity to have an experience and drawing from that experience um, is is more I guess I'd say it's a more holistic thing because I'm now more in tune with all of the reasons and motivations that brought me to that decision so I'm less attached to some some um, predictive outcome and that's the fun part about it it's if you only subscribe to a logic model, there's this funny way trap that people fall into where they think they can then predict what's going to happen. Right. Right? Yeah. If you are, and I don't, because part of one of the other threads here, of course, is living in trust. Right. And that's been a big thing for me. <laughs> right, right. And you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Um, and living in trust, I think, is also one of those things that, you know, I'm, I'm probably being egotistical, but I think it's just a little bit more difficult for people who are, have had the driver, you know, type A personality side going real strongly. And mm. sometimes I think it's a little more difficult for us to just let go and trust. Yeah. And allow that to happen. Um, but when you move into a place where you're saying, I trust that the process I'm using is going to work. I trust that the decision that comes out of that process is the right decision for me. You stop predicting. Yeah, you stop predicting and are willing to allow what is, you know, what's happening to happen and be present for it. I think. That's what it seems like for me. Yes. And it's, uh, um, you know, I used to live in a way where I constantly wanted to look forward. It was a way of thinking when I was in high tech where it was like I was constantly projecting out and trying to anticipate and look forward and in a way manifest what was going to happen, you know, but yeah, it was always just yeah. kind of looking forward. Yeah, it's goal, goal oriented, goal yeah. driven kind of thing. Right. Instead of being in the present moment, right? Right, right. And the more I engaged with this way of, of making decisions, the less 
and less and less over the years I've done any looking forward. Mm. And it's not that I don't plan for the future, because sometimes, you know, there are things you need to plan for, sure. but it's that it, it actually makes me more grounded over time. Because I'm in the present moment, I'm grounded in my body, I'm, I'm listening to what my body has to say as well as what my mind has to say, and I'm actually, I think spirit has a great deal to say when you make decisions this way. Yeah. yeah. And I'm listening to all of that, and I'm in the present moment, I'm grounded, and then I'm moving from that place. So I'm coming from a much more solid place than I would be otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, let's take a short break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about beautiful structure. All right. All right. So we'll be right back. At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest. Or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable change makers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light. Welcome back. I'm John Carousella, and this is A Shamanic Life, and I'm in conversation with a friend of the show, Annette Wagner, and we're about to talk about beautiful structure. Okay, that that's some. It's a really intriguing uh, label for something. <laughs> it is a very intriguing label for something. So, so tell us what the something is and how you got it. <laughs> so over the year, over the the summer, I had a lot of very cool adventures, which I like going to Paris and Grandmother Ocean. But I kept coming back to these questions around my driver's self and um, like discovered that I kept trying to do things mm. and the energy would peter out and I'd get frustrated and it was like, I kept saying, well, what am I supposed to be doing? And then I would ask myself, well, why do I keep asking that question? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, and I, so I had this summer of adventures uh, of, like I said, going to Paris, traveling with my daughter and spending time at Grandmother Ocean. Came back and, and school started. That's what happens when you have a sixth grader. Right. School um, starts. And suddenly I felt like I was at Lucien's and it was like, I have, and I felt, I had this great sense of needing to recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And I, and I didn't know what container to hold it in, which was rather hilarious given that I, followed a shamanic path all these years, but I had a coaching session with my mentor, Shiloh Sophia McLeod, and we had a couple of sessions, um, and she was the one who said, well, why don't you just take the rest of the year and do a vision quest? Mm. Live your life as a vision quest. You know, instead of like saying you're going to go somewhere and do it for, you know, a week or two days or whatever, is literally live your life for three months as a vision quest. Right. And I went, oh, and that really resonated. So I sat down and I, I actually journeyed and came up with a vision quest plan and started it on Equinox in September and it's going to end um, solstice in a few days. And I started moving through all this stuff. And one of the things that I said is that I was really going to um, leave the driver's self, you know, behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just I was done with it. 
I don't want to do that anymore. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and we, Shiloh and I had this conversation, and I was almost complaining to her, you know, trying not to whine. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you whine, right. even to your, you know, mentor. Right. <laughs> I guess Especially better, to right? your mentor, right? <laughs> <laughs> and she's listening to me, and she's, you know, she's like, tell me more about this driver's self. And so I started talking about the driver's self. I started talking about how people in my life had, um, told me things like they loved me for the way I could organize things. Right. And I've always been one of those people who's also been almost like, um, you know, I'm a very good roadie. I'm the person who's assigned the scenes to the workshop and I make sure all the details fall into place. Right. You know, I, I'm, I hold up the, you know, when the event is happening, I'm the one making sure all the parts go together. Um, and I just, you know, but I, and I'm telling her all this and she knows me very well. And she, you know, I've been her assistant at workshop. She knows what I do. Right. And she said, sometimes we have a gift, but we don't recognize it as a gift. And when we don't recognize and claim our gift, it can become an enemy or seem like an enemy in our life. Hmm. And she told me the story of her mother, Karen McLeod, who's this amazing poet um, who I dearly love, um, and how her mother is a perfectionist. Her mother has to make sure that all her socks are folded perfectly and that they are all lined up in the drawer in color-coordinated rows. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. I, had a, and, I had a dad like that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, it's a gift of beautiful structure. Okay. And when those words came out of her mouth, I went, oh, and I still, even sitting here, I get a chill all the way down my body. It's like, oh. She says, and she said to me, you have a gift of beautiful structure and you need to claim her. Right. And I had been already talking and, and working around this idea of um, wanting to rename the driver's self, as mm. I was calling that part of me. Um, and knowing, knowing that I needed to rename it and do something to change the relationship and wanting and, and also being at this loss of, you know, just wanting to, like, get rid of it. Right. But when she said those words, it was like everything shifted. Yeah. And I realized I had been completely looking at this, you know, the wrong way. Um, I, I hadn't, I had been looking at this gift that I have as something that I did battle with. It's something that, um, wasn't allowing the dancing, swirling, passionate woman in my heart to come out and live, the artist in my heart, that somehow that wasn't, they were in conflict. And, and are they not in conflict? So what, it was very interesting. Over the course of the next, I think probably three or four days was like, as soon as she said that, it was like a door opened, everything shifted, this door opened and I started listening. And I went to bed one night and I was musing on this. I could feel it in the back of my brain, just kind of like, okay, just working through this, letting myself feel how I felt about it. And this word came to me, harmony. Mm. And I went, okay, is that your name? And when I asked if that was her name, what I got was this image of a woman and she has a white snake coiled up her left arm and the snake's head is over her shoulder. And she's almost like um, an ancient, not a classical, but an ancient Grecian priestess mm -hmm. who had these women who had these just cloths and the way their clothes draped in layers and, and, but all just so, you know, mm -hmm. like everything is very serene and very graceful and beautiful and just, I don't know how to describe it, it's like everything is just put together 
in this very rich, coordinated, luscious way. And she said, yes. And we had this conversation and she said, I'm here to bring harmony into your life so that you can create. And I suddenly realized that this part of me that I had been pushing away was the part of me that supports creating space in my life so that I can be creative. Nice. Nice. And it was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I, uh, it was very cool. It was like, I still, and I'm still, now that I had that conversation with her, she and I are now in this, it's like a rediscovering. It's like there's this whole new person in my life, and what I was calling my driver self is gone. So, so I, I want to touch on that just a little bit. Um, h- how is harmony different from the driver? Supportive. There's a different sense of being supported. Like, um, so do you remember last March I painted a painting called Red Thread Woman? Yes. And it was this woman with her arms completely outstretched and her head thrown back and she has red threads pouring out of her body in all directions. Right. And she came to me on this very intense weekend and the message was that everything in my life, all the patterns in my life were dissolving and she was here to hold the space open until the new patterns were strong enough to stand on their own. Right. She... She was she's very dramatic. She's very like <sighs> ten tons of energy flying out of this woman. But she's also completely supportive. It's like this web of life that supports you. And the difference with the driver self is literally the driver energy that was in my life previously pushed me, pulled me, made me do things. Mm. You know, it was something that literally was like, um, I'm not even sure if I can come up with a good metaphor, but it, it, other than somebody who was just always like, boom, 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 boom. It was coercive? It, well, I think so much coercive. It was kind of like that kind of mother who who's always standing behind the kid saying, okay, now you need to go do this. Okay, now go pick up that. Okay, now you need to do this. Uh-huh. You know, got to be out of here by this time. Pack your bag. Clean that up. You know, somebody who's just like constantly on you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Saying, telling you what to do. Right. And... The driver self that was there before never had a relationship with the dancing, swirling, passionate artist woman in my heart. Because I hadn't let her out of my heart. That was the other thing that really happened this year. Was when all that energy went flying and opening up inside of my body after the healing. And then I did this jaunt to Paris where I... (laughs) Had a great time. Had a great time and it was totally unexpected. (laughs) I had I literally like the muse knocking on my door and saying, oh, by the way, you know all those things you're planning for the summer? Well, they're not happening. Pack your bags. You're going to Paris in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. It was a totally, it was a totally wonderful shifting. Yeah. And I lived in my artist self. Well, now the artist self is present. Mm-hmm. Now harmony is present. And the two of them have a completely different kind of relationship. Oh, so so in a so your driver self didn't have the opportunity to be in relation to your artist self. And so it was unbalanced. It was unbalanced. And now that you're you made space in your life for your artist self, your driver self is not such a driver anymore. Well, it, it's 
See, I'm not even using the word driver's license right. at all anymore. I, it, to me, it's that, Doesn't that, feel like that label at all. was describing something that I was not truly in connection with and that I was treating as an enemy. Right. So when Shiloh said those words of beautiful structure, it was like a skin that just fell away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, it, it just, the whole concept of driver's self, it was like a something that had been wrapped in a hard shell, like a walnut shell, and the whole shell just fell away, and there was something completely different inside of it. The, what, what came to me was um, a mask. Yes. Right, that there, that there was a mask that you were seeing. And what's interesting about that concept, that's a beautiful way of describing it, because what's very interesting about that is that I used the driver's self like a mask to protect the artist's self okay. when I was in high tech. I very, very, very rarely, if I mean, I, I had been trained because of things that happened to me as a child. I had always kept her very much in my heart and never let her out because, you know, that would be, you know, that was bad. I would be a bad person if I was an artist. Um, girls can't do that. I would be a bad girl. You know, mm-hmm. all those things you get taught right as a child. And I had other things as well that I had been taught. And, and so she was literally a mask that I wore and that I called upon. But I actually wasn't using that gift in a way that was appropriate for her, which is why I had such a... It was like, in a way, I was actually forcing my gift to do things that wasn't healthy for it either. <laughs> right, right, right. Not, right. not even, I mean, not healthy for my artist, but also not healthy for it. Right. And so... Um, harmony is a, do you feel like harmony is you or is harmony a spirit teacher? Harmony is one of my selves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so like it, it feels, yeah. it's a difference to me in, um, something like I have a spirit guide that showed up also this fall as part of the vision quest. That's, um, a man who wears a horse on him. Right. Um, that feels very, he feels very different right. than Harmony. Harmony is, um, so sometimes when we paint in the Color of Woman method, one of the, the things that, one of the very first things I think I ever painted with Shiloh actually, uh, is we have this class we, where we paint our legendary self. Ah, right. And there's a way in which Harmony feels like, um, she's closer to me than that, but she feels like a legendary self. Oh, interesting. Okay. And, um, how does harmony relate to beautiful structure? I'm still exploring the depths of that, but my sense is that my that there is this gift of beautiful structure, and harmony is both the name of the gift and the one who creates beautiful structure. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, I have this I have this ability to sit down and just organize things. And I do have this ability to get things done. Um, and what I'm exploring with this is understanding what it means to hold all of that as something that's beautiful structure in the sense of, so there's a way you can approach, so say, say you're going to go do a workshop. Right. Right. Okay. And there's, to say, you know, the day of the workshop, you, you need to clear the space, set up an altar, um, get ready to create a container that you could hold all the people in for all, you know, however long you're going to be there. You could look at that as something that just has to be done. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you can look at something that is something that is a creative act full of wonder and joy. In the past, I probably would have looked had a checklist, and I would right. have looked at it very logically. Right. 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 And I would have just okay, I have to get this done. Right. And I wouldn't have engaged with it with awareness, and with, and this is where the, my previous experience of being in my body and letting feeling adding the feeling into the logic as I was coming to a decision. There's a way now that um, when I think of this and I work with harmony as beautiful structure, that it's, I can approach setting up for a workshop or approach setting up for painting with somebody in Scotland, even though I'm in California, that I can approach it and say, it isn't something that has to be done. What I'm doing is a creative act that's going to create a space that's going to allow magic to happen. And so she's, there's, and it's not about bringing chaos or order to something. It's literally about just simply bringing harmony to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was, that's perfect, because that's what I was going to ask about. It's like, how do you, how do you let the checklist maker and doer back in without connecting to that um, edgy electrical shock kind of energy. And well, you, you kind of described it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's remembering to go back into my body and ask myself how it feels. It's also when I, when I if there's a conversation I had with Harmony where it was about like, well, are you the one who's going to take care of getting all those little things done? You know, and there was this conversation I had with her about um, not about bringing chaos to order. It's totally different mm-hmm. than that, right? And this conversation about and where I felt like I literally felt what she was talking about in my body. This, and it's hard for me to articulate. It, it's that it's this place of balance between chaos, that sometimes you need a little chaos, sometimes you need a little more order, and there's this sense of, of you'll know when you're in balance and when harmony has permeated something, and that I need to allow space, you know, to go back in my body, ask how I feel, you know, look at what I'm doing, and continually come back to that place inside of me. And that's the way I will stay out of the frenetic energy. Oh, okay. And when I, if I get frenetic, which sometimes I still do, that's why the white snake is there. Ah, oh, okay. Is that then I have this outlet to say, okay, I'm getting crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, I need to, you know, ground and go in my body. And now I have somebody I can call on who, um, okay, this, you know, like this isn't happening or this isn't going the way it needs to be going. I need to come from a different place. Right. That's the place, and calling on harmony and thinking of this as beautiful structure, it's a different place. It's like I've taken two steps or six steps to the right or something, or the left, depending on which way you want to hold it. Right. But I've gone into a different space and a different way of holding it, a different perception. A different perception of what? How I get things done. Of how you get things done, a different perception of how you get things done. Yes. And getting things done isn't a dirty word. Well, it has been in the last few years because it has been, it reflected, it reflected the driver self and not a Har- And not harmony. harmony, right. It reflected the driver, not harmony. Right. 
And so now getting things done doesn't feel like uh, sacrificing. And it doesn't feel like it's, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a job. Right. It's like, okay. Because there's yes. also something about harmony that she likes doing this stuff. I so need this. I so need this for a shamanic <laughs> life. I'm telling you, I so need this. This is great. It, I mean, it, it, it's funny to me because there's a way in which it's still hard for me to articulate my plan to continue to work on articulating it and putting, um, talking about it in my blog. And I haven't done a whole lot of talking about harmony yet in my blog. Um, maybe it'll become more clear once I paint her. Yeah, yeah maybe, yeah. You know, I do need to paint her. Um, but there is this way in which it's like, I have somebody completely different to call upon. I have somebody I can have a conversation now with. Before, it was, like you said, it was something that was almost unconscious. Yeah. And it was almost like having a, a authority figure or something that, you know. Right. The mom behind you saying, yeah. do this now, do that. <laughs> right. Um, so now it's different. It feels like she's, like, I'm at this, my dancing artist self is at the same level as Harmony. It's like there's a conversation. Right. Right. That can be had. And so you don't feel... Your dancing artist self doesn't feel vulnerable in the presence of harmony. There was a moment or two of like, uh, you know. <laughs> Can I trust her? <laughs> what exactly are you going to do? Because <laughs> right. I'm not going back there. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So share a little bit about that. Um, well, it's, it's ever since I came back from Paris. Um, and uh, and also I, I, I was um, both participating and was... Um, an assistant at a uh, vision quest retreat, a four-day vision quest retreat at the beginning of October with um, Shiloh and Christina Rilo. And part of what came through for me was really tearing down the rest of the castle wall that I had built up, that the driver's self had actually helped me to build up to... Um, there were initially were like the protections I had built up around the, my artist self so she wouldn't be injured, further injured out in the world. Right. But they had become like stone walls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right. they needed right. to be completely torn down and burned and gotten rid of and just, you know, like she's not going back in. She's here. Right. <laughs> and so there was this kind of moment of um, almost a little bit like an obnoxious teenager kind of saying, well, that's nice. Nice to meet you, but Harmony, but <laughs> right. I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> well, that's good. And that was when the conversation that we had was very clear about her saying, I am here to bring whatever chaos or order needs to happen so that you have space to do what you need to do. Right. And that also then brought back the message from Red Thread Woman who I painted earlier, I painted her in March, and realizing it was like, ah, harmony is the structure that needed to come into my life that Red Thread Woman's been holding the space open for all year. Oh. Right? She's yeah. been holding the space open. And one of the messages I had gotten that was very hard for me is coming from the driver and the type A personality type was to really, truly slow down and stop long enough that something could completely manifest. Right. So one of the hardest things I have done this fall is to have a three-month vision quest where I did not plan any workshops. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing when this vision quest is over. I have no plans in place. Yeah. 
And every time I started to freak out about it and started to move back towards that driver self-energy, I just kept saying, I don't need to. I have given myself permission to be in this vision quest and to do the work that I need to do and to allow manifest to manifest whatever needs to manifest. Mm. And now I know what needed to manifest was harmony. Right. And it's such a great, such a great name. It's such a great appellation for the holder of structure. Mm-hmm. But it's, cause it, does, it actually strikes me as not just the holder of structure, but the, uh, that part of you that senses harmony and alignment and resonance. It really, it's the sensor of harmony. Yes. And in fact, she is herself a creator. Mm. Yeah. And, and that was something that I was also missing was seeing what she brought into my life is that, that there is acts of creation that she's doing. Yeah. There's Well, sure. Anytime you are getting something done, there's... Uh, it's it doesn't feel like art, but it definitely is creation. Yes, and that's the that that was something else is is part of what's going to happen or is happening now is giving her space to create. Right. You know, yeah. So it's, I like that. I like that. There's a synergy. So, and I think you are very much correct. Is that her coming into my life is also a manifestation of that ability or my ability to sense when I'm in resonance. Yeah. And and to sense when things are, when harmony is present or not present, and to be able to not only sense it, but to really pay attention to it, recognize it, and then even act on it. You know, there's something, just come back to this this word harmony, it's such a powerful word because harmony doesn't exist without structure. No. You have to have structure, you have to have structure, structure and relatedness of 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 input so to speak or of contribution in order for harmony to emerge Which so is something i hadn't realized either when i you know the word just came to me and i remember like the word came to me and i was like is this your name I was yeah. like, oh and i'm still discovering it's gorgeous it's really beautiful i'm i'm enchanted by the uh the many layers of metaphysical and um, physical physics, the physics of it. Harmony is a really cool concept to plumb when it comes to the the presence of of both creative flow and structure. Because everything in the world is sound at some level. Everything is vibration at some level. vibration. Exactly. And even though I'm a visual artist, I mean, I'm very familiar with that concept because it's like the colors in my paintings, the energies in my paintings. It's when everything is in resonance. And in fact, the, the painting, um, I moved recently and I'm just getting done with setting up my studio and I'm about ready to start a painting. And the first painting I'm going to paint is an image, a vision that came to me that is myself really, but it's three faces melding into each other and coming into resonance. Mm. And it's about coming into harmony. That's awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So um, hopefully you'll be around to help me develop my own, discover my own beautiful structure and presence of harmony in the work that we're doing for a shamanic life as we go forward. Absolutely. Cool. 
awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's another way to say it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So we're about out of time. Anything you want to share? Any last thoughts you want to share about? Uh, no, I think there is a question perhaps we'll leave the listeners with. Is just ask yourself, are there gifts in your life that you are ready to claim that yeah. you haven't been seen as gifts? That you haven't been seen as gifts. I yeah. Fantastic. All right. And Annette, again, um, how do folks want to get to know you and your work a little bit more? Where do we where do we direct you? You can reach me through my website, which is AnnetteWagnerArt.com. Um, it's A-N-N-E-T-T-E-W-A-G-N-E-R-A-R-T.com. Okay, AnnetteWagnerArt.com. All right, thank you, Annette, so much for joining us for this conversation. And uh, for all of you out there listening, again, um, a shamanic life will be back sometime in the spring and so uh, and I'll be in touch long before then to let you know how things are going you can also always join me each month on the third Sunday of the month for Convergence um, and I look forward to sharing with you there as well so thanks so much for listening have a great holiday and uh, a blessed new year and we'll be back when we're back thanks and thanks Annette you're very welcome Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.